Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the March 2nd edition of the Finsider Radio. I am your host, Josh Houts, and I will not be joined by Matthew Kanata. He is at the NFL Combine this week. Instead, I will be introducing to you one of the newest writers and contributors at the Finsider, Jake Mendel. And Jake and I will be doing a podcast uh, for anyone that's familiar with the old Nickelodeon show, Jake, Drake and Josh. We are Jake and Josh. So, Jake, how's it going today, man? And introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, where they can follow you on Twitter, how you got into this gig, and and just what they can expect from you moving forward. You know, I think a good place to start, honestly, is I heard it, you know, when you say Drake and Josh, it comes, it rolls off the tongue. But once you try to say Drake and Josh, followed by Jake and Josh, it is an incredibly hard thing to do. So I got to give you kudos for that one. Yeah, man, you know, I'm I'm excited to be doing this. I think we're feeling about two times a week, if not more. Uh, It's been a weird offseason because... There's been a time where I feel like we all go into hibernation. I think the weather months kind of match up with the football season because in the summer, you know, you're happy, you're outside, you're having fun, and there's all the hope in the world. You know, the Dolphins haven't ruined anything for you yet. But once it starts to get cold, it gets a little miserable out, then, you know, everything seems to fall apart for the team. So, you know, I don't want to come out and say, you know, the team and the show is going to be all this exciting, you know, positive, uplifting experience. Because with being a Miami Dolphins fan does come that dread. And I think we can do a great job of bouncing off of each other with that. Hey, there's a lot of optimism with where the team is going. But at the same time, they are the Dolphins. And I think that's what you should expect from this show. I think that's what you expect from us as not only fans, but people who inject quite a bit of this team into our lifestyle. I think that's going to be the key for us moving forward. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with Jake, you can follow him at at jmendel, M-E-N-D-E-L 94 on Twitter. He would love to have more followers. He would love to have you following along with, you know, his Miami Dolphin takes. And in this first episode, I mean, Jake did a great job of getting a rundown ready to go. And we're going to talk about the state of the Miami Dolphins roster. We're going to look over it, tell you which positions we believe the Dolphins are set at, which positions they might be targeting in free agency, and the draft later down the road. So, Jake, let's jump right into this. And I mean, we know the Dolphins have a war chest of draft picks, upwards of 14 draft picks. They could even get a 15th, I do believe, uh, depending on the compensatory system. I'm not really even sure how all that works, and I I don't know when those picks will be announced. But the Dolphins have a plethora of draft picks. They have $93 million right now. I think that can, you know, they can even make more of that if they release Rashad Jones and a few other players. So let's look at it right away from that instance. What players, you know, on this roster, could you see on the bubble and could you see maybe the Dolphins possibly cutting bait with or trading or whatever they might do to, you know, better that cap space 
to move into free agency with even more than $93 million. I mean, they have the opportunity to do things that, you know, no other Dolphins team in our lifetime has had the opportunity to do. You know, they could rebuild this thing pretty quickly. So give me some of your takes and some of those players we should keep an eye on. Truthfully, you start by looking at all the options that are available for the Miami Dolphins, and they're basically endless. You know, I find myself going through a top, you know, 100 free agent list, and it seems like every four or five I'm looking and discovering a name that is of a player that is not only going to help the Miami Dolphins, but fits that type of brand of we don't need to give them the long-term deal. You think about the last year with the uh, signings like Eric Rowe, even the Devontae Parker. They're not, you know, they, they ended up re-signing these guys, but the prove-it type deals, these guys who could be, you know, 29 to 31, looking for one last chance to make some money. Uh, I think, you know, you look back to Andre Branch under Adam Gaze, that is one that stood out to me. Uh, so you kind of look for guys that you're not going to be giving the Mike Wallace contract to or the Nell Ellerby, Nadamakan Sui. These aren't the type of contracts you're looking for, but instead maybe a one- to two-year deal. And so when you see that, you see that there's all these different guys that you want the Miami Dolphins to draft or sign, excuse me. And then you see you have $93 million of cap space. It's easy to start, you know, uh, window shopping, basically, and you're throwing a bunch of different things into the pot and seeing what comes out. But before we can do that and before we can look at all these different options, we have to look at what options shouldn't be available for the Dolphins. Because when you're saying they can do everything there's always a, you know, best case scenario, a second best, you know, all the way down to the worst case scenario. We want to kind of look at what the Dolphins have available where worst case, or, uh, worst case scenario, we don't have to look at position X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? You want all these different type of guys, but you can't fill one fifty-three man roster and think you're going to get all the guys you're looking for in $93 million. It just doesn't really add up. That's why these guys are in free agency for a reason. Uh, the draft, you're not going to hit on all 14. I mean, you say it quite a bit. Odds are the Dolphins aren't going to keep 14 picks. So there are going to be some positions that might not get looked at whatsoever. It's just how they kind of just all trickles down. So, Josh, what positions do you see where the Dolphins – it's okay. You know, we have all these holes at quarterback, running back. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, offensive line, pass rusher. What's a position you would can look at right now and say, if the Dolphins don't touch this, I'm okay. Let's, let's ride into next year. For me, the first position that stands out, and it has to be the wide receivers. I said last year that I believe the Dolphins had a very good wide receiver unit. Never did I believe Devontae Parker would come around the way he did. He had the best season in his NFL career. You know, he signed that new deal there. You got Devontae Parker. You should have a healthy Preston Williams. They just signed Alan Hearns. And then they have Albert Wilson, who I think he's kind of one of those guys that they could end up moving on from. Isaiah Ford, you know, he had a stepped up pretty big towards the end of the year. And then they got a bunch of other guys, Jakeem Grant, another player like Albert Wilson, that I'm not really sure if they fit into the Dolphins long-term when you look at the salary and kind of production. You got Mack Hollins, you got Gary Jennings, you got Ricardo Lewis. I mean, they have a ton of wide receivers, and it's going to be hard for them to pass up on one in the draft. But as far as free agency is concerned, I think they're going to be very happy with what they have. I think as fans, we should be very happy with what they have. So, for me, the wide receiver unit is pretty much set. They just got to figure out what to do with Albert Wilson. You know, if he could restructure, he would be perfect there in Miami. I think you kind of started to see him come back and regain some of that form that he had prior to the hip injury. And then Jakeem Grant. I mean, we talked about him in one of our uh, – we, we used to do our little um, book clubs, and we'd sit there and we, we talked about Jakeem Grant. We said he's kind of like a Taylor Gabriel. And Taylor Gabriel just got cut, and he's been more productive than Jakeem Grant. So – they have an interesting decision. they got to figure out what they're going to do with Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson. I don't think they can keep both of them. 
I don't know how you view the wide receivers. I don't know if you see, you know, maybe they do end up keeping both of them. But I think the Dolphins are very, very good at wide receiver. They should feel very confident in what they have. And most interesting, uh, you know, Carl Durrell just went on to Colorado. He helped build these guys up to what they are. So it's going to be very interesting to see who that next wide receiver coach is and to see if these players can continue to develop under whoever that might be. So I initially agreed with you in the sense of, yeah, we can get by with no wide receivers this year, uh, whether it be in the draft or free agency. But then, you know, I started to think about it. You know, you mentioned the, the issues with Wilson and Grant. And, and, you know, for Wilson's, it might just be money related. You know, you can cut him for $9 million. Um, and, excuse me, save $9 million. If you cut Grant, that's another $2 million you would save. And I don't think they're necessarily going to do this. But what if I restate the question, how many of these guys are guaranteed to not be on the roster in 2020, but 2021? I mean, you think Devontae Parker, yes, he'll be. They just signed him to a four-year, $40 million deal. So, yes, he'll be back. But then is there any really any truth to – is Alan Hearns most certainly going to be back? Albert Wilson, we're talking about that he might not be on the team next year. Uh, Isaiah Ford's been a really big bubble guy. So And, and you know, Preston Williams, yes, it's we, we loved what we saw out of him. He was explosive. He was a lot of fun. He looked like a great um, other side of the field wide receiver to have across from Devontae Parker. But at the same time, he's coming back from injury. So unless you think, like, or as we think, I'm not, you know, directly pointing this at you, that the Dolphins can draft a guy next year, have him come in and make an instant impact, I think all of a sudden you're wondering, maybe they do have to get a wide receiver this year. Maybe you have to get a guy in there who's only going to see the field 20% of the time. But by the time, you know, maybe Alan Hearns, you know, he's getting up there in age and the injuries catch up to him, whatever it may be. Isaiah Ford is, you know, still fighting for that, you know, sixth or seventh wide receiver spot, and that's not really what you need out of him. Jakeem Grant struggling with injuries. Albert Wilson, again, a guy who kind of leans on his agility. That maybe, what if it gets, uh, passes him by, I guess. All these guys, there are questions, and I'm not saying all this stuff's going to happen, but you need to have backup plans in case all these guys, all these you know, careers kind of take that awkward turn. And maybe it all of a sudden is a position that the Dolphins should look at moving forward, especially with a young quarterback coming in. Yeah, it's hard to argue with what you just said. I mean, we didn't really discuss this prior, but I mean, I was pretty confident that receiver was one of their better positions. But when you put it that way, I mean, yeah, aside from – Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, I don't know if you can confidently say any of these guys will still be on the roster. And again, I'm not sure they're going to address it in free agency. We plan on doing a free agency podcast, you know, later in the week before free agency begins. But I think with how loaded this draft class is, and this is something we'll talk about later down the road, I think you're absolutely right. They With 14 draft picks, you know, it might not be one of those positions they get on day one or even day two, but there's going to be some good value, you know, in the fourth and fifth rounds that the Dolphins should absolutely pull the trigger on a wide receiver when you put it the way you did. So, I mean, I'm fully behind you there. Uh, again, And it's you tough, compl- though. It's tough because when you look at this roster as a whole and then you see guys like, you know, Preston Williams had an awesome year. Isaiah Ford really came on strong near the end of the season. Devontae Parker, we don't have to talk about how awesome he was. You see these names who just put on such a great performance. You saw Albert Wilson really start to get that back at the end of the year. You like where this, you know, position group is going. You really, on you know, the 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 surface, really think this is a group that is strong. And it, it might be. It might be Miami's best position in 2020. But it's just crazy that how just right after that, though, all this uncertainty could be seeping into this roster and, and that, you know, position alone. Yeah, and I mean, aside from receiver, which, I mean, you kind of almost debunked that. I mean, where else do they have it? I mean, punter, you got, 
you know, you, you got Matt Hawk there. You got the kicker, Jason Sanders. I mean, aside from that and maybe receiver, I'm not sure that any of these positions you can confidently say the Dolphins are set at. I mean, from that Mountaineer shot alone, what they did against the Eagles, I mean, I would give those guys lifelong contract. You know, that's one <laughs> that's one of those plays that as a Dolphins fan, you're going to remember forever. It's going to live in infamy. And, you know, just like the Miami Miracle, it might not have had that big of an impact on the year, but that plays awesome, and you know darn well, you know next year's Madden's going to have that, you know, we've got new plays in Madden 21, and that's going to be one of them. So, I mean, kicker, punter, I don't think they really have to be too worried about there. The receiver position, you kind of stated, and you brought a, you shed a new light on that for me because, again, I came into this thinking, you know, they're set at wide receiver, but when you look at it two, three years down the road, you know, that's when Miami's going to be competing. We all hope they take the next step this year. You know, they they get better from those five wins that they had last year, but realistically, they're probably not going to be competing for the playoffs. You know, they're going to be in the hunt, like you always say. So I think when the Dolphins are ready to compete, you know, some of these guys aren't going to be there. So it's definitely a position to look at. What other positions do you think that they could possibly ignore heading into this year's free agency? See, it gets tough because you, you see the five wins, you see that there's a bunch of holes, but you don't win, you know, five games on the shoulders of nothing, right? There are teams that were worse than the Dolphins, even though the Dolphins were, you know, quote unquote, this tanking team. So one of them I kind of looked at, and maybe this can work for Chan Gailey's offense, the new offensive coordinator who is coming in. What about tight end? Do you think we could get by with the group of tight ends we have right now? I mean, Jaseki, we don't have to really talk too too much about his coming out party that we saw. Um, I think he's going to play a big receiver type role in the Changeli offense, one that doesn't really feature a tight end too too much, unless they're blocking. And then you have you know the Clive Walfords, who was actually I was really disappointed with his. Uh, he he seemed like he really struggled with drops at the end of the season. But again, you know when you're talking a third tight end, this is a guy you can pick up late in free agency, an undrafted guy, and see him come in and really impress. And then you have Durham Smythe, you know, another guy that the Dolphins drafted in 2018, the fourth round. And that's not like a pick, you know, you're just throwing a dart at the board. A fourth round pick, you're kind of hoping they can have some sort of impact. Uh, I think he was a pretty solid pass-blocking tight end, and I'll say it every time I mention his name. He has a story where he swept through three pairs of gloves in one single practice. So a guy like that, you're just not going to go and give up on. And I think he could be just fine. Do you think with what they have at tight end that is enough or you'd like to see them uh bring in maybe some mid-tier guy who could maybe be a difference maker yeah i mean it's kind of a it's hard to say because you mentioned mike jasicki we definitely saw him starting to excel last season i think like you said chan gilly's offense you know the sky's the limit for him he's going to be one of the better tight ends in the nfl i do believe Derm Smythe, he was always kind of that anthony fasano you know he's supposed to be this blocking tight end they just brought in michael roberts who i mean you know, he's young. He's 25. I think he led the Mac in touchdowns at Toledo one year with like 14 touchdowns or something crazy. But in the NFL, he has 13 catches, 146 yards and three touchdowns. Two of those touchdowns came in the Miami Dolphins, who, as we know, struggle like heck to, to cover the tight end. So I, I think it's a unit that, again, you probably don't address in free agency. You're probably more than happy with Mike Jasicki being that guy that's going to, you know, get a ton of snaps flexed out, you know, in the slot or, or out wide or whatever it might be to create those mismatches because Mike Jasicki versus, you know, a, a defensive back, you know, Mike Jasicki's what, 6'6", six, six? Mike Jasicki versus a linebacker, you know, it, it's game over and we saw those mismatch opportunities last season, so I think they're going to utilize him heavy. It then comes into that spot, you know, is Clive Walford going to come back and, you know, is he going to, is he going to do things that a lot of people thought he could do that never quite came to fruition? I think that Michael Roberts signing is kind of maybe more the direction they're going to go. I think he can do some of that blocking stuff that Smythe can do. 
but maybe even better. And again, you saw some of the highlights. I posted some of his better catches, and he does have some receiving capabilities. So I don't think they'll address it in free agency. But again, in the draft, you know, they got 14 draft picks. They won't use all those, but I th- I'm not too certain that this tight end class is something to, you know, write home about. But I think the Dolphins have the ammunition. There's no reason why they shouldn't bring in another tight end to compete with these guys. Because if Mike Jasicki goes down, then what? You know, because you look at this and, I mean, that would just derail the entire offense. So uh, I think the tight ends are on the right track, but I'm not quite sure I'd be too confident heading into free agency in the draft. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. How about running back? You know, um, I've, I've kind of been on the side of I want them to draft draft a running back and, you know, maybe the first or second round, maybe a, even sign a bigger name in free agency at a, on a deal you can escape for uh, a couple of years down the road. But I've gotten a lot of feedback saying that, you know, I'm kind of crazy for wanting that stuff. How would they do that? That makes no sense, you know, that type of thing. So would you be content with them not touching running back at all in free agency or the draft? No, I think they have to. And we know Kanata, he's been an advocate. They know he's been hearing since last September or October that the Dolphins had interest in Melvin Gordon. You know, I don't know what the market's going to look like for free agents running backs, uh, but I think I saw a report just yesterday that said, you know, it might not be quite as lucrative as some of these guys think. You know, maybe Derrick Henry resigns with Tennessee because he's not going to get that huge contract on the open market. Le'Veon Bell, I mean, that's a name to throw out there. What happens if the Jets cut him? I think he'd be a great fit in this offense. And then you got to look at those trade opportunities. You know, maybe you keep hearing rumors. David Johnson could be traded. If a team takes on that salary, maybe Arizona gives you a second-round pick. I mean, that's great. I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat. I mean, David Johnson... At one point, you know, you, everyone was drafting at the top of your fantasy drafts. You know, everyone thought he was going to be the next great running back. Sure, that's not who he is, but if you can get a guy like him to just ride, you know, for this entire season while that young back is starting to, you know, get, you know, starting to get his feet wet in the NFL, you know, that would be awesome. Same with Todd Gurley. I mean, so those are some veteran options there. But heading into this, heading into the draft and free agency, the Dolphins got to do a lot at running back. I mean, I think we kind of gave up on Kalen Balazs before last year, you and I. Uh, you know, he he's done. He's he's cook. He's done. Just get rid of him. Don't even worry about what what more he could possibly do. I I don't need to see any more. Miles Gaskins. I mean, he's interesting, but again, I I think they need a little bit more than that. Patrick Laird still fits that David Woodhead type role for me. I think that he's going to have an impact as a, even a pass catcher on third down. So I think Patrick Laird sticks around. Uh, Samaja Perrine. I mean, that's a guy who towards the end of the year showed a little bit of explosiveness, but Mm -hmm. again, it's hard to judge because the offensive line was so bad. So whether it's a Melvin Gordon or, you know, maybe a Jordan Howard in free agency or the head of the draft, I think you're absolutely right. I don't know if I'd take one in the first round because I think ultimately they're still going to have to trade up for Tua. If they don't and they stay there, 26 might be a little bit too high for me to take a running back. But on day two, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why the Dolphins shouldn't come out of day two with, you know, uh, whatever running back. We'll talk about that later. But I think they absolutely have to address this position because right now it is a sad looking group. What if, um, one question before we move on. What if they say they moved on from Bellage, they they got David Johnson, they're paying him, they get a, you know, we'll just say for the sake of, you know, that's what they're talking about, a second round pick. 
They do nothing else with the running back group. Keep everybody else but add David Johnson. Are you happy? Yeah, I wouldn't be happy. Just because of how good I think the running backs are in this draft, I think you can get a really good starter, you know, even on day three if you must. But, again, they have all the ammunition. you got to get a young guy in there because, I mean, maybe David Johnson, you know, rejuvenates his career, and I wouldn't I won't think that's too crazy. Again, I think he'd be a great fit in this offense. But you bring in a guy like that, you're just going to run him into the ground, kind of like Juan Set did to Ricky. So uh, I would be disappointed if they didn't do a little bit more there. Um, looking at these other units, man, I mean, inside linebacker, linebacker, I mean, you look at what they have here. Their linebacking core is a lot better than, you know, some of us give credit to. But Jerome Baker, he was a guy who was supposed to be, you know, the next great thing, the next great Dolphins player. I don't know that he was as good as a lot of people expected. Raquan McMillan. You know, if you're going by PFF grades or you're just going by the eye test, I think Ray Carl McMillan looked better than Jerome Baker in mm-hmm. 2019. You know, Vince Beagle, he's kind of that edge rusher. Uh, you know, he played a little bit outside. They need to figure out a way. And I, I don't think he's a free agent this year. I'd have to double check. I think he might be. Uh, One more year, due, I think. Yeah, I think he's doing a new contract next year. But they need to figure out a way to lock him up because he showed a lot of promise. Sam the Eggman Aguavin, I liked what he did. So, I mean, ABG later in the year. So they have some players there, but I think it would be it's, – it's hard to sit here and look at a Jerome Baker, Raquel McMillan, and a Sam McGuavin and think that, you know, they're set there or even throw Vince Beagle's name in there. So, so how do you view this position? Is it something that you would absolutely draft? Is it something that you would look towards free agency? How, how would you view the linebacking position? I think uh, inside linebacker is one that they, they don't need to touch. I think you have enough there. With all the different holes on this roster, I think that's when you don't have to touch. But then, you know, you do a complete 180 when you talk about the outside linebacker, specifically the edge rushers you're looking for, that the Dolphins are in dire need of uh, the pass rushers. And, you know, that's where the huge uh, hole is. That is a position I don't think they can go without um, adding in a player, maybe two. Maybe, you know, you go to one or two in free agency. Um there's a there's a big group out there. There's a big group of pass rushers. Uh, we'll get into that in a later ep- episode, excuse me. But um, maybe in free agency, and then they add another in the draft. I don't think you can go with this pass rushing group uh, moving forward with the Dolphins. But uh, when you're looking at the inside linebacker, and this might be a you know a Brian Flores thing right away, but inside linebacker and you know interior offensive linemen, especially specifically those three defensive tackles where Miami wants to run a lot of that three four defense. I think they're all set. I think both of those positions, they can get away with just kind of sitting there, sitting there for a couple of years. You know, both Baker and McMillan. Uh, Beagle is a guy you might resign, but obviously you don't have to, you know, break the bank for someone like that. Uh, I think they're set there. And then when you look at defensive tackle, I believe all three of those guys, whether it's, you know, John Jenkins, who had a decent season last year, uh, Godshaw, Wilkins, these guys who are going to be back and sit here for a couple of years. So I think these are the two we don't have to look at too, too much. Yeah, I completely agree, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I think a lot of Dolphins fans want to know, are the Dolphins going to keep Charles Harris around? Is he going to continue to get a paycheck for doing absolutely nothing with the Miami Dolphins, or do you think a guy like Charles Harris could be on his way out? Even Taco Charlton, who you know at times looked, showed some kind of promise, and then towards the end of the year, he wasn't even active for most of those games. So I, I don't know how they're going to figure this out, if they're going to keep both of them or if they're going to get rid of both of them, but is the Charles Harris era in Miami over with, in your opinion? To cut him? Um, I could be completely wrong with this, but I believe his entire contract is guaranteed. So cutting him is like a statement type move. Like you have to be so sick and tired and he has to be such a disappointment that you won't even keep him with. You're going to pay him either way. Like you have to be so just 
ready to move on that it's not even worth, you know, it's just wasting a roster spot. And if that's where it gets with him, I think it might be possible, but I don't think it's one we can instantly just, you know, check off the list of, all right, uh, he, he's not going to be, you know, fourth on the rotation or something like that. I think that's still really possible. So we talked about linebackers. So let's look at the defensive backs. And we know there's a big situation going down with Xavier Howard. We don't know how the Miami Dolphins will handle that. Uh, we know the Chargers were dropped. We won't get into that too much. But you got Xavier Howard. You know, you got Nick Needham who played well. You got Cordrea Tankersley. Bobby McCain might get switched back to the slot. I mean, that's all speculation. Jamal Wiltz, Lyndon Stevens. So they do got some bodies there, but I think this is a position that if ideally they could take a look at it in free agency. How do you view that position, and is that something you would do? And let me know what you think about Bobby McCain switching back because I, I won't say he was terrible as a free safety, but I definitely think he was a bit of a liability there compared to when he was playing nickel when he you know, he got that huge contract from Miami for a reason, for being one of the better nickel corners in the NFL, and they moved into free safety, and it just seemed like his play took a little bit of a hit. So give me your overall evaluation of the defensive backs. You know, I'd love to hear Chris Greer's overall evaluation because I think he was, you know, higher up. He obviously wasn't, I, I think, Tannenbaum. He was still under Tannenbaum uh, for the Bobby McCain contract, or was that, was that him? Did he do that? I think it was Tannenbaum. I'm pretty sure that was a Tannenbaum move. But either way, Greer was a bigger voice in the room. So I'm interested to see what he thinks about that contract right now. If he feels they did the right move, was it the right evaluation to sign him? Um, it kind of goes about what else you can find on the market. Would you? Would it be easier to find another slot corner? Could you get that in the you know fourth or fifth round? Do you think the Dolphins used? I think Jimmy Wilson was undrafted. They used him for years. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't good. Don't don't get me wrong. I was not a big big fan of him, but. Can you find a guy undrafted who is at least serviceable on a team that's still going to struggle quite a bit? Is slot one of the positions you can ignore a little bit? If we get a guy late in the draft or, you know, can we get that instead of a free safety? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Basically, whatever one's easier to get, put Bobby McCain at the other. I think that's how you kind of got to approach it. Um, I guess there's something big to say if Rashad Jones is even going to be on the team next year. Um I'd like him to be back. I'd like him to be healthy, but maybe it's just reached that time in his career. He's reached that certain age where, you know, he isn't Rashad Jones. He isn't the guy who stuck through the Dolphins through all these horrible years. The guy that we all really want to find for this roster, those fifth round picks who just work their tail off until they become great starters in the NFL. Then you have Eric Rowe, who he's going to settle right in. Uh, you pretty much leave out Xavier Howard. He's going to be there no matter what. Uh, people see Nick Needham as for as great as the season he had. Uh, they want him to be their third or fourth cornerback, maybe. So, yeah, I think you kind of want to find one cornerback. And I think this will be something they look at more in free agency compared to the draft. Or at least that's kind of the feeling I hope they get. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you mentioned how Chris Greer and Brian Flores, you know, how they feel about that position. How does the new defensive backs coach, Gerald Alexander, from – Cal field. You know, there's some good California prospects there in the defensive backfield. Could they target one of them in the draft? I think you're absolutely right, though. As much as I hate to say it, I do think Rashad Jones' time in Miami has probably, you know, reached its peak. He's probably going to end up getting cut. We thought that he may be traded or cut, you know, before the 2019 season. So I don't know if he's going to have a future there. It's funny we bring up Eric Rowe, and that was a guy that a lot of people thought was a low-risk, high-reward signing. He turned out to be, you know, what we thought Minka Fitzpatrick could be. He was shutting mm -hmm. down tight ends. He was doing things that you'd only had hoped Eric Rowe could do. We all remember that interception that he had against Tom Brady. 
I believe it was Brady's first pick six against the Dolphins or some crazy statistic like that. So I think they they got Eric Rowe, and again, you got to figure out Bobby McCain, but I think Rashad Jones is gone. It's possible that they need to get two safeties this year, uh, you know, because they like to play. They like to drop one down in the box and still the two in the back. They like to use three safeties. So I think Eric Rowe is the one that you can sit here and, you know, pencil in with a marker. You know, he's going to be there. You mentioned Nick Needham, and again, a lot of people love what he did. But I don't know that they would have felt the same way, you know, had this team needed to be competitive because he was getting beat. He wasn't a perfect defensive back. And Xavier Howard, I mean, I, I think he's going to ultimately stick around with Miami, but there's a lot that they have to decide there. He's consistently injured. You know, he's getting paid a lot of money. If a team offers you a second-round pick or a first-round pick, would they take it? So I definitely think they need to look at this defensive back unit, and they got to figure out to get probably two safeties and probably an additional two or three defensive backs and we know that they've done a good job of developing them we know Josh Boer is now the defensive coordinator but they got to figure something out here because we know how important that is to a defense and they have to figure out a way to solidify it soon yeah it's a tough one it is a it is a real tough one because it's another one where you're trying to figure out how we can fill this hole the right way do we need to draft guys and really you know stabilize the group or are we going to see those nick needhams continue to grow grow excuse me even those uh jamal wilts uh walt akins uh, he's more of a special teams guy but stephen parker he flashed a little bit so uh ken webster another one but um can we give these guys another year to really grow but if you let them get that opportunity to keep growing you're going to have to have a guy come in if everything fails the following year and drop him right in and say, we need you to contribute now because that's when the Dolphins are hoping to be in a, you know, hopefully a playoff spot. Yeah. And it's hard for us as outsiders to sit here and say, you know, how this coaching staff feels about the development of some of these guys. Cause one of the most impressive things I think last year was how, you know, constant that defensive back, back unit was changing and mm-hmm. it seemed like they'd pick someone up off waivers and immediately they'd be starting in a game, you know? So you have to tip your hat to what the Dolphins coaching staff was able to do. But again, how do they feel about these guys? Do they like, do they like a Bobby McCain at safety? You know, do they like us, Steven Parker? How do they feel about these guys? And that's ultimately going to decide whether or not they target it early and often Monte Hartage. That's a guy we didn't mention. And Trey Hayes or Tay Hayes. I think he looked pretty decent at times. So there's a lot of young players there with lots of potential. I just think they have to address it and they have to address it early and probably free agency and the draft. Uh, I think we're mentioning, we mentioned almost the entire defense. We got to look at quarterback. And I mean, it's crazy to sit here and even debate whether or not the Dolphins need to go after a quarterback. I mean, how do you feel? I, I don't know that a free agent's in there in their future because they do have Ryan Fitzpatrick under contract. Ryan Fitzpatrick already said he'd be more than happy to develop a young quarterback, even throughout the name to us. So, I think they're set at quarterback. I don't know that they're going to get one in free agency, but I mean, the draft is where everyone assumes they're taking a quarterback early. So do you think they could do something crazy? And, you know, we, we heard the rumors of Tom Brady, you know, Philip Rivers is out there, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, who they had interest in last year. Do you think it's possible the Dolphins have this crazy smokescreen going and they're going to go out there and they're going to target a free, a free agent quarterback this season? I'm kind of glad we saved these for last uh, because, no, I think, I think we can pretty much, you know, open and shut the book on. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be here, uh, know, a rookie quarterback. And I think Josh Rosen, I think you might even see if you can trade him and get something back, a, a fourth or a fifth round pick even. Um, and, and that's it. I think that, that's, that's basically it. Could they get real weird and decide, we have all these first round picks, let's get back Prescott. Let's go crazy. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I, I doubt it. It's going to be uh, 
Herbert or Tua. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's all it is. I mean, I think quarterback's probably the most straightforward one we have. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned that, Dak. I think they're going to put the exclusive tag on him from what I've heard. So that would uh, prevent any team from pulling what you just said. And, I mean, that was something that I, I know you mentioned we talked about a little bit. You know, we kind of kept it under wraps because we knew Twitter's head would just explode. But if they franchise Dak and, you know, a team could give up two first-round picks, why wouldn't the Dolphins give up two first-round picks for a proven quarterback? They have the cap space. I mean, you know teams don't go to the Super Bowl when they pay those quarterbacks those high contracts, at least not in recent memory. But if you're given two first-round picks to move up for Tua, who's, you know, consistently hurt, why wouldn't you go after Dak? So it was a crazy thought. I don't think it's going to come to fruition. You mentioned Josh Rosen, and I'm just going to touch on that quick because I was a huge Josh Rosen fan. A lot of people are still complaining about that second-round pick. It was a great move for the Dolphins. I don't care how he panned out, you Mm -hmm. know. He only started two games, I believe it was, or maybe it was three, and then he got benched in the the last one against Washington. But they made that trade, and you have to tip your hat to them for at least trying. And you don't know if that was an O'Shea move or, you know, who was was the one that sat there and said, you know, go get Josh Rosen. Maybe it was Jim Caldwell. Maybe that's why he's not here. I don't know. I'm purely speculating. But they gave up a second-round pick for a former first-round top-10 quarterback. I mean – well done, Dolphins. If it, it didn't pan out, we get it. But he's still 23 years old. We know he's had an ever-changing carousel of offensive coordinators. So if they were to keep him around and let him develop and see what he could do under Chan Gailey, I mean, I'd be all for that. You know, maybe you're going to groom him to be that backup quarterback that when Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, rides off into the sunset when he's 87 years old or whatever it is. But uh, I'm not upset with them at least going out there and trying to get a quarterback because before that it was Ryan Tannehill and Brandon Dowdy. So – Thank you, Dolphins, for at least trying. It might not have worked out, but I'm, I'm just happy they tried it. And like you said, you know, maybe they get a move up in the second round or something and a team wants a quarterback and they say, okay, do I want Josh Rosen or Jake Fromm, you know? Maybe they say they want Rosen and you can get rid of him. I don't know what that case is, but I'm okay that the Dolphins, you know, even in hindsight, I'm okay with them at least making that trade. Yeah, it's like the Deion Jordan trade. I mean, it was a great idea. It was a great move. It was calculated. The risk was worth the reward. It just didn't pan out. I mean, those it's going to happen. And I mean, if you want to be a forward-thinking team and go for these type of calculated risks, they're not all going to be right. I mean, that, that it's football. Everything's kind of a pretty big crapshoot. I mean, it, it's just going to happen once in a while. Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, we pretty much touched on every position. I don't even know if you have to dive into the fullback position. I don't know how Chan Gailey's offense admittedly utilizes the fullback. I liked what Chandler Cox did. If anything, I liked his last name, you know, so they've already invested the pick on him. He's been there a year. So personally, I'd be more than happy with going into 2020 with Chandler Cox as the fullback. But the offensive line, I mean, we have to talk about the offensive line because there's the potential that they might even have, you know, five new starters on that offensive line. It's crazy to say. You know, you can look down the list. They they signed Jesse Davis. They had Dion Calhoun. You know, they had Daniel Kilgore at center, which I think they need to find a way to upgrade that position. But he's he's probably the most established veteran on this line or the guy that's at least shown the most promise. Julian Davenport at left tackle. I mean, there's going to be a lot of musical chairs on this offensive line. So do you see them addressing it in free agency? I think they're absolutely going to do it in in the draft. But how do you see this playing out in free agency? They got to do both. And the key here is I don't think they'll have five new starters on the offensive line, but they need like eight new guys. I think what they need to focus on maybe is not getting, you know, spending crazy on one guy when you can get depth. Like, so for instance, Joe Tooney, Patriot guy, yes, would make a lot of sense. 
Um, I even threw out the name Trent Williams if you want to trade for him and then you give him the contract that makes him happy. Say they were to sign both of those guys. You allocate, let's say, it's going to be close to $30 million a year on two offensive linemen. But at the same time, you do need to draft uh, replacements because everybody in the NFL gets hurt. And we see what happens when you lose one guy on the offensive line, how quickly everything can spiral out of control. So it's so tough when you not only have to build the depth, but that top end talent. So you still got to kind of pray that someone like a Michael Dieter or, you know, uh, uh, whoever the draft pick last year was that that might have been um, Calhoun. I'm not entirely sure, but but just you need to hope these guys can develop into you know, spot starters at least. Somewhat like a Jesse Davis. I think we could be content with Jesse Davis as our starting right tackle, but you better find someone that's really close to Jesse Davis and that in order to kind of keep that going through the whole season. You need to find ten offensive linemen, not five, and that's really how you gotta attack it, I feel. Yeah, and we've heard before that, you know, New England, you know, they didn't really make that that big of a priority. You know, they don't ever give those big contracts to those free agents. You know, you mentioned Tooney. He's going to get the highest paid contract in the NFL for a guard, most likely they're letting him walk. You know, they, they don't put that much. I don't want to say, you know what value on the positions, but it kind of seems that way. And the dolphins definitely took a similar mindset last year. They got rid of Laramie Tunsil. I don't think anybody would argue that that was the right move because it was two first round picks in a second. He's getting ready to get paid the, the largest left tackle contract in NFL history. You know, I think he wants $20 million a season. So he's going to get paid and he's going to get paid big. I don't know that, you know, later down the road, Tunsil's, what Tunsil is now when the Dolphins are finally competing. So I think the real question I should have asked was, which of these guys do you see the Dolphins, you know, keeping? You mentioned Jesse Davis, a right tackle. I think he can play there. But if you bring in Tua, and that's his blind side, I think you need to do a little bit better than Jesse Davis. Maybe you move him then to left tackle. Kilgore, again, I think that he was pretty disappointing last season. But if that's if you can't really upgrade the position in free agency or the draft, I think you can you can make you can do with Daniel Kilgore there. Michael Dieter, you already invested the draft pick in him. You started to see him progress a little bit throughout the year, and he showed enough promise that, you know, if Michael Dieter had Laramie Tunsil next to him, I bet you his game would have looked a lot different than what we've seen. So I'm looking down the list, and, you know, Jesse Davis, maybe Deion Calhoun, who you're right, he was a rookie last year, showed a little bit there at guard. So, I mean, you're looking at it. you got Davenport, they'll probably keep him. Dieter, they'll probably keep him. Kilgore, I'm assuming they're going to keep him another season. Calhoun, and then Jesse Davis. But outside of that, I mean, that was your starting starting offensive line last season towards the end of the year. And, you know, again, they're probably going to have two or three more starters on the offensive line. But aside from that, I'm looking at these names. You know, Isadora, Okiki, Sutherland, Brown. I don't know that they're going to end up keeping any of these guys. What do you think? Yeah, man, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you try to keep as many of those starting five as you can and, and really ask yourself, can any of these guys still start and see if you can find a guy that's maybe 90% of them on cheap to, you know, sit behind them. Because, I mean, I just don't want to sit there and, you know, everybody wants to say, well, we don't, we don't have to worry about, you know, it's trading for anybody because we'll just, you know, solve the, all these problems through the draft. And it's a numbers game. It just doesn't work that way. The Dolphins have tried to build through the draft before and it just doesn't work. Uh, there's always going to be those busts, but you always need two, three guys who can really step in and play up to a higher standard. So I think it's just going to be kind of tough and it might be a couple year process. It's a good thing we have those uh, first and second round picks next year from Houston, because odds are that's probably going to be thrown right back into the offensive line as well. Yeah, I agree. And it's a good year. I do think to, you know, need an offensive tackle. And again, we'll talk about 
the draft as we get closer to that. Once we get through free agency, we really see what the Dolphins are going to, how they're going to approach everything. Um, but this draft class is loaded with a nice, uh, nice group of offensive tackles that the Dolphins could target in those first 40-some picks. So I do think they're going to rebuild this thing, and they're going to do it pretty quickly. But I, I can't help but think, you know, as a Dolphins fan, that, you know, you've seen so many bad draft picks on the offensive line, aside from, you know, the three guys that pretty much fell into their lap, a Mike Pouncey, a Jawan James, a Larry Tunsil. Aside from that, you know, once you start to get into the second, third rounds, you know, they start trying to, to get these players that they're going to develop and, and become good starters in the NFL, the Dolphins have just crumbled. So I think they do need to invest some of that $93 million that they do have in free agency, and they need to go after some of these high-priced guys, you know, a Graham Glasgow. You know, I think Conklin's headed to the Jets, the last report I saw. He's going to get it paid a huge amount of money. But the Dolphins cannot be stingy because, you know, we talk about how bad their running game was. We, You know, we talk about how bad the offense in general was. The offensive line is how you build things. And, you know, when you're younger, you're into the quarterback positions and the running back positions and, you know, those those star players. It really is truly all about building the lines. And if you don't have a good offensive line, the rest just cannot work. And we've seen it for far too long in Miami, even dating back to be, you know, Tony Sperano is the last guy. May he rest in peace. You know, he's a great offensive line coach. He was the last time I felt confident in that unit. So they definitely got to rebuild this thing. If they don't get it figured out, you know, good, nothing's going to work. Again, I think you can get whatever running back you want in there. If you don't build that offensive line, there's just no way to have success. I completely agree. I completely agree. And I thought that was a nice little, uh, little way to kind of flesh out the question of where the Dolphins can and, and can't really attack, you know, free agency and attack the draft in terms of highest priorities and, and really looking at where the Dolphins might be okay. I mean, you don't win five games on accident. I think you can win two games on accident. You can win one game by accident. But five, you got to have something kind of going right there. Yeah, we all want to point to coaching, but absolutely some of these players developed as the year went on. Again, we also Adam Gase, and we know that he took the Dolphins to the playoffs in that first season. A lot of us thought, you know, okay, we have this guy. I do want everyone to just temper their expectations because no one knows what can truly happen, but it just feels different in Miami. And again, they have all this ammunition in the draft. They have all that money and free agency. I finally feel like things are headed in the right direction, and I keep saying it. This is the most important offseason in Dolphins history. So I think we did a good job of breaking down the roster, telling you what positions we believe the Dolphins should address in free agency. Uh, this next podcast that we do we're gonna have Matthew Canado on he was in Indianapolis this week at the NFL Combine he will give us all the little news and nuggets that he heard you know he was at St. Elmo's eating that beautiful shrimp cocktail that everyone loves to talk about he was he was following Tony Pauline around like his shadow so he should have some <laughs> interesting nuggets for us on the Dolphins and what they might be going after in free agency in the draft but Jake before I let you go man is there anything else you want to talk about I think that's it. I'm just I'm just happy. You know, it's starting to get nice out. It's starting to the hope is coming back. The sun is rising. There's a little bit of optimism surrounding football. And that's really all we can ask for. That is all we can ask for. For this episode of Finsider Radio, I am Josh Houts and I was joined by my co-host Jake Mendel. Again, follow him on Twitter at, at jmendel, M-E-N-D-E-L-94. For the Finsider Radio podcast, this was the Jake and Josh show. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, the 
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Number one.